Hello and welcome to this week's episode of That's Enough Already. This week I've got a very good mate of mine and I he's the guy that whenever I go into Sydney or if I go to Australia, I go, shit, I need something. He's the guy that I phone. Um, also, if you're not familiar with his work, you've never watched a shiny floor show like The Bachelor, um, Mars Singer, Bachelor in Paradise. He he is the host of all of these shows, and those shows would not exist without him, in my opinion. It's the old Andy G, or as he is now known, Osha. I've only ever known him as Osha, or if you live in Australia, Osha. Um, so enjoy the podcast. He's a very interesting dude. You're going to love it. Just shut your mouth, I don't give a stuff Zip it, shush, please uh, 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 uh. Yes, I can hear Calm down, mate. But I don't care, that's enough already Shut up Oh, shush How's it going, bro? I'm all right, thanks How are you? I see you in the studio I'm like, fuck, you're so organized <laughs> Oh, funny Funny you mentioned that Honestly, you could just, that just looks like a bunker. Okay, so I don't, I've never been inside your house. I've been outside your house. You have. I've been circling your house. I've been watching you sleep. No. That's okay. But in my mind, the look of your room where you are in now. Now, listeners, let me paint you a picture. Uh, as we start, Osha's just logged in. He's sitting behind him over his left shoulder. There's guitars on the wall. There's a... It's sort of a curved door, like it's a curved entryway into the room. It is. So in my mind, what has happened, Osh, is you bought that house. Then you decided it's bunker time, as you do when you look at a new house and you look at the yard, and you got a digger. You hired it yourself. Yeah. Because I imagine you did this all by yourself. You dug out a big hole, and then you got a container, a big container, one of the larger ones, you know, the shipping container yeah. jobs, put it in there. Covered it back up again. Um, so there's like a solar light scenario that looks like it's just a tree, but that's how the sun gets in there. And then the rest is just steps that go from your, like your closet, like this Narnia type scenario. <laughs> and then you go in there and you close the wardrobe and then you climb down the steps and you're in your bunker. You're literally describing my dream studio, but I wish that was It's mine because that's soundproof. That's oh, everything. Fuck. It's like you're hiding away. That's what I want to do. There's a mate of mine that actually has a shipping container studio where he does his podcasts from. Yeah, but it's above ground or underground. It is above ground, but I am definitely much of the excavating. As I, yeah. Another friend of mine has used a shipping container to make a swimming pool. Oh, I've seen those too. It's sick. It's one of the yeah. fuck off massive ones too. Yeah. It's a, oh, yeah. Look, if you're going to do it, it's yeah. one of those things. If you're going to, you make that decision. You're like, I'm, I'm putting a shipping container in my yard. You're not going to go for the half one, are you? No. It's the same as those people who make their homes out of it. Have you seen that where they like cut windows for it? And I think that's amazing. Incredible building materials. And I, yeah. uh, but if you're going to do it, you always get the ex refrigerated ones because they are insulate and that yeah. really they'll sort you out. Also, uh, you know, airtight. So you're going to need some, some, some windows. Yeah. Um, yeah. It is fucking great to see you, Us. You um, too, mate. It's been a fucking beast of a week and it's lovely yeah. to see your smile and 
the face. We were going to do this a week ago, but yeah. everything just exploded in my face. And, yeah, and I someone's te- busy. Texted you about seventeen minutes before we were supposed to start. Going, can we fucking do this another day? And you're like, sure, bro, no problem. Yeah. Whatever. You no do. worries. I'm in lockdown, mate. Like, I don't have, you know, we have no freedom. I, and also, I think with the first lockdown, I overcommitted myself. I overcommitted. I, I tried to do too much. I think, but also it was panic then. I didn't know if I could work, what's it going to look like. I knew I couldn't tour. So immediately 95% of all of my money went out the door. Oh. I'd never done voice work. I'd never, you know, so I was like, oh, I'm fucked. I've got no income. And then, so then if anything came in, I just hopped on it. I just did everything. And then I'd have like six things a day and I was like, oh, shit, this isn't fun at all. Everyone talks about being bored and locked down and reading books and I don't have time for any of that shit. <laughs> yeah, but you've got I'd- to make some fucking money because you're a freelancer. That's a, that's a fucking, as, as, as um, what was his name? As Saul Goodman said to Michael Corleone in Godfather 2, this is the business we have chosen. You know, if yeah. we wanted to sit around backing sourdough on lockdown, we'd do nine to fives with fucking mat leave and ho- holiday pay. But no, we've decided to go, fuck this. I'm going to take jobs 10 weeks at a time and back myself. It's fucking yeah. scary as shit, but yeah. this is the business we have chosen. This is what we've decided to do. That's right. But also just for the record, I'm not opposed <laughs> to being a mafia member of the mafia. I'm like, in my mind, that's always there. I, but I, I don't want to be like one of the underling. I, I would be You want to be made. You want to be made. You want to be a made woman. You want to be yeah. made. People will go, she's coming. Like I want that kind of fear slash respect you know when yeah. you don't, can't tell the difference but you don't care well, look out kids calling your name from down the block doing secret yeah. whistles <laughs> people yeah, yeah. scuttle yeah yeah and then they've got that one little suck up kid that comes everything all right miss carlson miss carlson can, yeah. can we get you anything and you just peel, and like, peel off a couple of bills from a roll and go there you go yeah yeah licking the thumb get real you, slow get your mum something nice as you pull a rubber band off it get your mum something yeah. nice. have you watched um have you watched Gamora? The no. ah fuck! It's probably like the greatest uh, you know crime f- show ever made. Like zero 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 was good, but Gamora is next fucking level. See now, I I'm always amazed when I talk to you because you're always like, have you have you watched this? Have you read this? Have you done? And and you're one of the busiest people, hands down, that I know in the industry. Um, and just the fact that you can fit in, like I can't even binge watch anything. I don't have that kind of time or. You know, like it's just you've got two kids, I've got two kids, you've got a busy schedule, you know, um, and you fucking cycle about 100 kilometres a day. I tell you, I'll tell you how I do it and it infuriates my wife. Tell me. I guess I was. I'm not. A, I'm, a, I'm not a student, but I am. I'm. Fa- I'm a fan of the art of screenwriting, so I am able to digest dramatic content, not a documentary, not an obdoc, not a reality show. I'm able to digest dramatic content a scene at a time. So I will literally watch a movie, uh, either an act at a time or sometimes just one or two scenes at a time. And just I'll say 10 minutes. Like It took me a week and a half to rewatch Aliens. And I was just doing it a scene at a time, just like in five to eight minute chunks and just appreciating every scene for what it is. And that's often how I'll, I'll watch things because I just have you know, time. I'm with Audrey. That sounds yeah. fucking like a punish. Oh, she she thinks she fucking hates it. Um, 
but I save the things that she doesn't want to watch for that. Um, but oh. sh- but we will sit down and we'll we'll digest things together. We wasted eleven hours of our life watching Squid Game, and I was most disappointed with it. But thank fuck, I felt redeemed because the first thing we watched right after that was Vigil, and I felt a lot better. Like thank God that was what I wanted. See, I because I started watching because everyone's like Squid Games, and the the problem with our jobs is you have to know what everyone's talking about. You have yeah, to be able to join the, the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Or as soon as I start touring, if someone heckles me with anything squid go I can't go what and then the whole audience laughs and I don't know so I have to watch this shit you know it's research as soon as it started I couldn't get past the first 10 minutes of the first app I'm like this is horrendous I cannot commit my valuable time to this horrible fucking acting this horrible everything about it looks like shit I'm not gonna watch it I just cannot it was a weird kind of strange teenage boy snuff film and I was so done with it. It was not very well written. And the reason why it was happening wasn't revealed until like six episodes in. I'm like, it's such a waste. And it was just like, just fucking headshot executions for hours. I don't really want to watch that. I'm not kind of more interested in a little more jeopardy in my life. Thanks, heaps. Yeah. Anyway, I watched it now. I guess what I did find redeeming about Squid Game is I, I find it fascinating. There's a few countries that have had it happen to them. This idea of adopting the Americanized capitalism uh, manufacturing model uh, to to incredible, incredible success, South Korea and Japan being two of those things. But at the same time, putting this in hyper-individualistic capitalism model on top of a collectivist society. And I found that lens of looking at that, the first couple of episodes or you know flashbacks of Squid Game when, when they're talking about the gambling addiction and all that, I found yeah. that really interesting. But then it was just like teenage dick jokes and, you know, executions. And I'm like, ah, fuck, I'm not interested in that. Yeah, no. I'm like, I I just knew I I would be angry at myself. Because sometimes when you get into a thing, you're like, you know, if it's six seasons, you're like on the third or fourth season, you're like, I'm wasting my fucking time, but I'm in too deep. That's the worst when you're pot committed. It's the worst. Hey, let me ask you something. So, we work on The Masked Singer together. That's where I met you. I, I've never, like I've seen you. I almost think you were on um, The Masked Singer, oh, not The Masked Singer, um, have been paying attention once. I was. Yeah. You came on as a guest quiz master and I was on it. Yes. I was very happy about that, seeing yeah. you the first time because I've always loved you. Yeah. So then that's when I was like, oh, okay, um, this is the guy that presents all the shows. Is that how you identify as a presenter, or how would you how would you identify? Are you a journalist? Are you? No, a, fuck no. I'm a I'm a TV guy and a a TV kind of guy and a podcast guy and a book yeah. writing guy. You know, I'm a guy that makes TV and and writes books and makes podcasts. You're the etc. guy. Uh, the the podcasty stuff is the, is me. Everything else is me doing a job. Yeah. I always kind of find it interesting when people listen. And I've been to the podcast for eight years now. People are like, why don't you do this stuff on TV? It's like, because that's not the fucking job, man. Yeah. People aren't going to pay me the kind of money that I make doing that show talking about heavy-duty climate change shit yeah. <laughs> in primetime <laughs> TV in a fancy suit. Um, but I can do both. And and I think that's the thing that some people kind of struggle with is that, you know, I can be, you can do both things, that you can hold two ideas in your idea in your head at the same time. You can at the same time go, we're in a fucking devastating climate catastrophe and we have to act fucking tomorrow and shouting take it off at a giant pavlova is fucking fun. Yeah. And we can do both of those things today. Yeah. And it's okay. Yeah. It's called balance. Yeah. And also 
you know, feeding your family. Well, totally. What a way to do it. I'm, I'm absolutely so incredibly lucky. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's wild. You know, I'm still full of the idea that all this may go away tomorrow. I'm still full of the idea of trying to plan for redundancies and, you know, but that's the freelance life. That's what we've, yeah. we've chosen. You know, that's me looking what's 2024 look like, what's 2025 look like. You know, it's not like I've, you know, I, I, my, my job, I have a seasonal occupation. You know, you get to, if you wanted to, you could spend the time knuckled down. You could, you could write two one hour shows a year, two of your fucking balls off and you'd be fine because you're in control of that. All right. Yeah. I, I'm at the whim of a network. I'm at the yeah. whim of a public's desire to watch particular shows. Right now, they're happy to watch the shows I'm on. However, I've been on shows that have been cancelled. And when they're cancelled, they're cancelled. That's it. You've got to go find something else to do. And yeah. you, there's a, you know, a, a mortgage and school fee size hole in your life and you've got to find a way to fill it. Don't you think that makes you sharper, you know, sort of having that fear? Because to me, because even though, like, um, my career is as solid as my last tweet. Yeah, right. Like one bad tweet can fuck up my whole career. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I mean, there's not something that I think, like if someone says to me, you're being racist, I can 100% say, I oh, know I wasn't. I don't even need you to tell me the scenario. I don't need you to highlight the, I just know that I wasn't. So it's not something that sits with me the whole time, but I do have that thing where I'm like, if I can't tour anymore or if I can't go on tally anymore you know like that fear is there the whole time but it's not it doesn't really present itself as fear it's just like if you live with someone that doesn't really talk much but you just know they could go off at any point yeah right that's what it feels like and and and, and it's like so that that thing could go off at any point and then just pull everything out from under me but I think it makes me better because it makes me look for other things the whole time like it not hustle but I'm open to everything I uh, yes I agree with you and I this is a, a large part of why I've really pushed into podcasting it's taken eight years I think I and I only started to break even at six I only started to make money a little after that and that's about the time frame for any money making venture uh, there's yeah. no there is no overnight successes it's romantic to think there is it but sure there is isn't. but no no like yeah. it's not like i invented bitcoin and then tomorrow i bought a lamborghini no that's yeah. not what happened it's it's yeah and so i'm i'm trying more and more to fortify what goes on in my life that allows me to keep doing what i'm doing and doing the things i love i mean i'm sure i've got to i'll I'll go pull fucking coffees if I need to. You yeah, know. I will. I'm. I'm not. You know, there were times in my life when I was. That was the most horrible idea. I was so full of ego and pride, and there's no way I would have ever done anything like that. But shit, dude. When the kids are hungry, I'll do fucking whatever. I don't care. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I say yes to too much, way too much shit though. Um, and I need to. I need to put. I need to put someone between me and my fear of not having any money. Uh, and so that's why um, an incredible woman called Rachel Barrett's in my life and she um she manages that and uh she, you know she likes saying no to things yeah. <laughs> she, it's so good to have a no person yeah well otherwise i end up saying yes to everything and what i do is and i dilute my ability to deliver and i don't want to do that i want to because oh, it gets to a point where you're like i'm i'm no longer doing this because i'm loving it because i never think about like when i'm doing the job i don't think about the money but i I have to enjoy it. And the minute that shine goes off it for me, then I'm like, nah, I'm kind of out of it. Do you think, um, because honestly, I think 
because you, you do the bachelor, bachelorette, mm-hmm. bachelor in paradise. It's a there's not a bachelorette in paradise, is there? Oh, uh, there's no bachelor in paradise at the moment, which is a shame because I really like it. It's a very different version of the of the format, which I yeah. really enjoy. Um, but yeah, I do those shows. I don't. I don't think people could. I don't think I could watch it if you're not on it. <laughs> You're like that 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 sort of, you know, when someone goes nuts and say a Bunnings, if there's a video of a Karen going viral and then there's that one person that walks behind just smiling at the and has nothing to do with the, the interaction and they just walk past it and then there's always one person that makes a gif out of it where that person just da 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 with the glasses and the cigarette in the background, like just <laughs> enjoying the whole scene. I feel that's you. Could be. it's a fun it's a lovely thing to do to to get paid to help people fall in love that's really nice and you know this new season that we're making of bachelorette is just astonishing it's the best version of the show we've ever done and i think the first episode of the season was the best episode of any in the 17 iterations 16 iterations of bachelor that we've ever made i can't wait for it to start here i know i can go the shortcut and ask the network to just send me the eps but i don't want to no because i watch it here with my friends on Uh, this side like at the minute we're watching great kiwi bake-off and then um celebrity treasure island and so when that starts i can't go i've already watched watched it you know with so i have to wait for them there's a moment because it's the first world's first uh indigenous first nations bicep sexual bachelorette and like yes it's she she is these things but she is also she who she is is big enough already yeah she happens to be these other things but i absolutely thought of you there's an episode in the first scene of the first episode there's a moment where i won't say why but for one reason or another she's in a ball gown holding a power tool (laughs) as you do straight away i thought i know the noise ursula carlson's gonna make when she sees this (laughs) (laughs) It's fucking, it's fucking amazing. And there's these, all these beautiful conversations. I've got to really, like, it's it, it's the same production company that makes Masked Singer. So you know a lot of the people that make this show. And um, they're just, like, giving this space, this primetime television space to conversations about bisexuality and what it is to appear very feminine and constantly have to tell people, mm. I, I know, you know, y- yes, I don't have short hair, ride a motorbike and carry a Makita in my hand, but yeah. I'm into... I'm not into men, yeah. you know, when presenting as a very feminine and they've got to come out 20 times a day and like hearing these conversations in primetime fucking television. Oh, it's glorious. Yeah. It's great. Uh, honestly, I hope, I hope, I mean, it, only good can come from it because it is like that. Like when people go, um, when did you come out? I'm like 1230. My okay. mom's friend come, you know, like yeah. the amount of, of people who reckons that you just need to be rooted right. And that'll solve it. Like a good root will get you right out of your homosexuality. Or, get the you fuck know. out of here. Yeah, honestly. Or even um, if you're especially bisexual people, because to me in a perfect world, everyone's just, you know, pansexual. Like you just, if you're attracted to someone, you're attracted to someone regardless, you know, like it shouldn't even come into play. That to me is the perfect world, right? And I, I think initially when people just, that's how we were. And then we sort of slowly changed to what we are now. But I I feel sorry for bisexual people because they can't, like, even in the community, and I mean within the rainbow community, there's a lot of that shit anyway, you know, where we we won't let other people talk shit about us, but we love to talk shit about each other. And bisexual people get the shit the most because it's like, just make up your mind. And it's like they are sitting in the perfect seats here. They are the perfect 
fucking people. <laughs> yeah. And I think anyone who thinks sexuality is like you're straight or you're not straight and that's the end of the story. Uh, it's a red light, it's a green light, no. No, that's not it. That really isn't it. And, the, uh, you know, the Kinsey scale, uh, you know, went to great deals to, to try and demonstrate this, that everyone is somewhere on a spectrum. Like it's yeah. never actually fully, you're never actually fully hungry and you're never actually full. Like you're always at some level. You're never actually fully asleep and you're never actually fully awake. There's always, it's never really day and it's never really night. There's a there's, there's edges to these things. And, yeah. you know, some people, I am lucky enough that I got, I came out mostly on the straight side, you know, coming out of the womb. And then in my late teens and early twenties and mid twenties, there was a, you know, a bit of a dipping of the toe in the water. I'm like, actually, no, that doesn't feel as good as the other stuff. Okay, then off we go. And that was it, you know, and that's, that's fine. For some people, they really truly just don't know. And there's people in my life that I've I've had relationships with people in my life who don't know. And it's so confusing for them. It's so hard. It's the same now with when people go, like even on this um, program that we're using now, Squadcast, you have to put in your pronouns or you can choose to put in your pronouns, right, when you log in. It's almost like, to me, I'm I'm she, her, you know, but then sometimes I'm like, I don't know. Uh, I'm just, I'm not comfortable to lock it in because I don't know down the track, (laughs) you know, like. I'm not saying it's, you know, what does it matter? Like all of that shit is so insane. Like you should be able to just go, you know, like you change your name. So to me that's sort of the same thing where you go, I'm not that person, I'm not this label that someone else gave me and you chose your own because I I never knew you as Andrew. No. But it's so funny, even today still, if I go, um, I'm doing the mask singer, oh, yeah, with that Andy G and I go, no, it's Osha. Like, I don't know, Andy. Yeah, no. I don't think you would have liked him very much. He was blonde and he was crazy and drank a lot and, and was very impulsive and did silly things. Oh, my God, it was Jackie O. You... <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm grateful to, you know, in the words of the guy that uh, helped me get and helps me stay sober, he's like, you know what? You're lucky, pal. You get to live the rest of your life not being that guy anymore. And um, changing my name was just a real good part of, uh, I, I guess, you know, I did a gig the other day at a, one of those big marketing firms, uh, sorry, big, you know, consultancy firms. And they asked me about it. I said, yeah, I, I underwent an aggressive rebrand. <laughs> yeah. That's basically what I did. You know, it allowed me to uh, really put a pin on a, a formal way of life and a formal way of, of how I, you know, used to feel about what was good and bad and right and wrong and start afresh. And I think, you know, anyone could do that, you know, anybody. The amount of people, I, I always think there was this woman in the mall who was giving out World Vision pamphlets and, mm. you know, at the mall. And um, when I walked past, she goes, oh, you're that comedian. I said, yeah. She goes, oh, I always wanted to be a comedian. but And I just, I, I went, Anne? She goes, well, I'm in my 30s now. I go, yeah, but you're still sucking in air. Like as, as long as you're breathing, you can change direction. Like there's no time limit on this shit. I always remember years ago, like I'm a huge Oprah fan and she um, had this woman on there who went back to university at the age of 60. Her, mm-hmm. Like she was a housewife, she had five children, she's a stay-at-home mom, her husband didn't want her to work and then all her kids left and her husband died unexpectedly of a heart attack. 
And all the years she said to him, she wants to go to university. She really wants to be a doctor. She really wants to be a doctor. And he said, don't be insane. You have the kids. And then when the kids started not needing her as much, she's like, I want to go to university. And he's like, no, you've had your life. You've, you know, and she just didn't go. And then about a month after he died, she enrolled at the age of 60 at university and she became a doctor. And like when she was 72, you know, she sort of opened her own practice. And it's like that, I always look at that and I go, when you're 60, I bet a lot of people think, well, it's done now. You know, I've raised my kids. I've buried a husband. I've done my life. And this bitch is like, see ya, I'm going to university. (laughs) And what a fucking inspiration. I'm like, why wouldn't you do it? Change direction. Change your name. Cut your hair. Do whatever you like, you know. Every single day we do it. I once did a... A gig. <laughs> I can't believe the sentence was just about coming out of my mouth. I was at a gig with a Dalai Lama, his holiest, the 14th Dalai Lama. And I hosted a, a thing that he did here in Sydney. And I'll never forget it. Never, ever forget it. Because he sat there, he was taking questions from the audience and I was kind of moderating. And he said, you Westerners always strike me as so funny because you only let one day of the year be the day that you go, this is the day I'll do things differently. He said, every day is New Year's Day. Every day you can resolve to make your life different. Yeah. That's that's fine. <laughs> I was like, amazing. my mind was totally fucking blown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It was amazing, dude. Uh, but you're right. Are you still sucking in air? Go and do it. I mean, I've, there's plenty of people I know and you know as well that came to things like stand up late. And of, of any profession to start late, stand up was like, hang on, what? I'm going to be a grown adult, probably with kids of my own. Yeah. And I'm just going to stand here and take it in the fucking face for three straight years while I get good at this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everyone in my house, quickly develop a taste for baked beans and toast. That's all we're eating. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, any anyone that comes to stand up late, anyone that comes to stand up when they're not living at their parents' house, I'm like, you are a fucking weapon. Like, yeah. on you go because you are committing. Just the touring will absolutely fuck you up. Even if you make enough money, you know, to pay your rent, right? Like, that's impossible in the first few years. But if you if you then start touring, just being away from said family, fucking good luck. Hard, hard, hard to do. Real, real hard to do. Hey, listen, let's just quickly, I want to ask you something. On The Bachelor, um, just so like this is just for me because I I really want to know, has anyone ever stayed together? Heaps. Have they? Heaps of them and they have kids and everything. Stop it. So it's real. Yeah, they get married, they have children, they get engaged, there's babies, babies and babies, yeah. No, no, we, have a, we have a bachelor couple here that have stayed together. They just had their second baby. But I yeah. think that's literally the only ones, just that one couple. I heaps wow. of them. Yeah, yeah, it's lovely. It's really nice. Because you met your wife at the bachelor, so I know it works. There's love on set. Well, we were, we, you know, we we were working together. It was wasn't we weren't set up by a, a reality. We were sort was, of I set up. I didn't take a jet ski to a cheese platter to meet my wife. <laughs> You didn't dance up a, a drive, a walkway. <laughs> no, I didn't. No, I didn't. I actually, I rode my, I met my wife uh, in my natural habit, nervous and, nervous and sweaty on the back of a bicycle, like, because we were all waiting downstairs in the garage before we could cross the lawn because they were shooting and, and there she was. And, you know, I would, I'd just ridden there. It's like 20 Ks from my house at the time. And um, I'm all nervous and sweaty and I'm, you know, covered in sweat and, and, and hi, I'm stinking. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, I'm Asha. <laughs> That's how I met her. And she's yeah. like, Did someone hose this fucking guy down? She was on the on the radio. Go, um, the host just showed up. We're gonna need him hosed down before I touch him. Oh yeah, there's a there's a there's a, there was a shower. The end of ride facilities <laughs> are good at the Bachelor Mansion. Don't yeah. you worry. Oh, yeah. it looks it. 
It looks yeah, like. yeah. Oh, and that one, the new the new mansion's great. It's fucking miles away, man. Jeez, it's like it's we go to these houses as that are just in parts of the city that you never knew existed, yeah. and you see these houses and like that particular one. It looks amazing on camera, right? It's humongous. Yeah. It's got like sixteen bathrooms or something. Again, I'm 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 all about energy efficiency. Um, all my vehicles are electric, and uh, you know I'm all about you know let's get to as as using as little energy as possible to live our lives, and it's completely possible with existing technology. And I look in there, I'm like, there's got to be no shit. There's got to be 400 light fittings in this house, yeah. and the sheer scale of it in summer, you it, the, the cost to heat and cool it a month would be 10 grand. Yeah, I don't have that kind of. Who's got that kind of cash to just burn on electricity to yeah. to heat and cool a place? Like, That's insane. A, like, fuck, don't worry. It looks amazing on camera, and it's yeah. the perfect bachelor mansion. But boy, there's a better way to do life, guys. You know, we don't have to be making the electric companies all this money. Pop some solar Honestly, panels. Honestly, sometimes when I travel and you're at hotels, or they throw out like. I don't ever let them come and do, even if I'm at a hotel for two weeks, I'll take my own cleaning stuff and I travel with my own cloth. I don't want them to come clean the room because they throw me. out soap. They throw out the shampoo. I'm like, I can yeah. still use it. They go, that's not how we do it here. I'm like, well, do it fucking better. Like yeah. I washed once with that soap. Now it's in the bin. I'm with you. Like, I don't want to use the person who stayed in the hotel rooms before me soap. I don't want that. No. I understand why they throw it but away. I'm going to be here for two weeks. Let yeah. me use my soap on my own ass, you know. I'm with you. I clean. I, I put. I hang a DND on the door for yeah. 10 days at a time. And <laughs> then they usually go after three or four days, they go, no, we have to come in. That's, a, that's um, you know, hotel policy. And I think it's so that, A, they can see you're not destroying their property, and B, so you don't do any dodgy shit in the room. And I'm yeah. like, mate, send them manager up you can come have a look it's clean I make the bed even every day and even like once a week I get them to send me the bedding just leave bedding and I'll change the sheets myself and put it outside but I don't want anyone in there because they always replace it everything's individually wrapped it's it's fucked like you just go we are fighting a losing battle here (laughs) it really makes very little sense let's let's get to the 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 money side of it what is the one thing that absolutely shits you about other people? Oh, this is the premise of your podcast, mm. isn't it? I love yeah. it. Forty-five minutes in, and we've got there. Um, <laughs> I love it. Sorry, I, I can't. I can't use my microphone properly. I just hit it with my knee. Okay, so what absolutely shits me? I mean, I know, I know. We, tw- we touched on this earlier with our speak of uh, talk of Squid Game, but I think we live in a community. All right, I know we live in a very. Uh, it's not as hyper individual. It's not as hyper individualistic as it is in America, where I, I lived for a while. But we are still a very individualist country in Australia. And the you know lockdowns and mask protocols and adherence to vaccination guidelines and things like this. Um, the idea that you know people don't consider themselves a part of a community and a part of a collective. That's the thing that kind of shits me. Like I understand. I get it. I get it that, it, you know, when push comes to shove, you're going to do what you believe is right for you and your family. I get that. But it kind of shits me that, come on, man, there's, you know, there's other people here. Wait until you get out the elevator before you fart. You know, yeah. just like there's other people that share this. It's not all about, we're all here together. And you know what? You helping the community ultimately helps you because if the community is healthier and better, then you're healthy, healthier and better. And if the community is achieving, then you and your kids are achieving. If the community is safer, then you're safer. It's about all of us. 
not just you. While I appreciate your big fucking truck, um, maybe don't hit the, you know, maybe don't hit the gas at six o'clock in the morning because other people live in my street, man. Let's yeah. just, you know, ease your way out the driveway, pal. <laughs> Listen, if you, like your heart must have been absolutely fucking fizzing and breaking when um, the pandemic just hit and people started panic buying. To me, nothing says I don't give a fuck about my community, like you going in and buying 10 packs of toilet paper and leaving your neighbours to wipe their ass on what? Like, I don't, uh, that whole thing just blew my mind. I'm like, who the fuck raised these people that go, me, 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 mine, 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 mine. You go in, like, it's like if you sit down at a shared lunch at work and you just, the first four trays right by you, you just scoop all of the food in your bag. That's how fucking selfish you look. Like, on <laughs> what planet is it okay to just go into the supermarket and go, all of the flour, mine. It's like, dude, you only shit once, one, you know, like one fucking time. I, I, like, I don't understand why you need 40,000 rolls of toilet paper at your house. What do you think is going to happen? Yeah. So that, that's definitely a manifestation of it. And there's been some interesting research into into the why toilet paper. And I find that, you know, it's a big thing. It's a thing you can hold in two hands. It feels like you're doing something. It feels like you're combating this sense of powerlessness of, I don't know what's going to go on. I'm really frightened. Mm-hmm. Oh, if I get this and if I get, if I get it before they get it, then I feel like I'm in more control and I yeah. feel a little safer. I understand. I understand that. Um, but yeah, I think that's the thing that, that shits me. It's, it gets, uh, you know, and I'm grateful that Audrey, um, Audrey leans in that direction as well. She's, you know, she's taught me a lot of, about thinking of others a lot more. Yeah. Um, so I can be a selfish prick a, a lot of the times. And so she's taught me a lot about that and it's allowed me to now look out the world and go, actually, you know, we've we got to leave something for other people because, you know, this idea that if I... I've got to have it all because if I don't have it, then I it's like, well, actually, if you leave some for other people, then everything gets better for everyone. Yeah. And if everything's better for everyone, guess who's been part of everyone? You are. So it's going to be fine. I mean, there's more pie than there is pie chart. It's going to be okay if other people have things too. Yeah. Okay. Because if they have things too, then everything's better yeah. rather than I've got to have everything. So it's just good for me. Yeah. It's, um, it's that same like in, in, um, in our industry where you get people that are like those super climbers and super competitive and, you know, only they get the good jobs and only they have to have. And it's like, you know, if we all get stronger and better in our industry, then our industry becomes stronger. And then we have more opportunities because then people see us as an option. Whereas if you are the one that just wants to dominate and don't want anyone else to, you know, like just because you climbed the ladder doesn't mean you need to fucking push it over when you get to the top, you know. You can (laughs) sort of (laughs) put a hand down and help other people up, you know. Even if you don't want to help, you don't need to fuck it up. Well, that's the that's the the wild part of this kind of um, you know hyper capitalist model is I've got to get to the top of the ladder and then push it over. Well, then who the fuck's going to help you when you want to get expand? Who the yeah. fuck's going to be able to? You, no, it doesn't doesn't quite work like that. Yeah. And you know this idea of like we'll only win if we beat everybody else. Well, you're going to need everybody else. Yeah. Everybody else needs you, and you need everybody because you're going to get tired. Yeah, absolutely. And that you know, and I think that's the thing. 
I, I, I don't say, I don't think, uh, so I've had to work a lot on this. You know, ask me what absolutely shits me. I've had to work a lot on anger because I used to get really consumed by it. Yeah. And it would destroy my day. It would destroy my week. I would seethe with rage. My hands would shake. I would be so furious at others and other things that would be on my control. And a big part of sobriety is acceptance. Um, there's a thing they make you say, accept the things I cannot change. The courage to change the things I can, accept the things I cannot. And no, something was happening. Oh, fuck, I'm so ready to accept the things I cannot change. The courage, fuck, accept the things, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. That's it. Accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can and the wisdom to know the difference. All right. Um, being an acceptance of other people, places, and things that shit me has relieved me of so much pain and anger and suffering and things that are completely beyond my control were otherwise ruining my fucking day mm. and making me a prick to be around because I was angry at at some government policy in some part of the world that I do not live in and have no influence over. Yeah. And I can be upset at it, but I can also be like, and that's how that's what it is. And if I'm because then if I'm an acceptance of it, the shit part is is like I can't blame another person, place, or thing for my shitty mood. I've chosen my shitty mood, yeah. all right? And that's a really important thing. So, yes, things shit me to tears, and yes, selfishness in others shits me to tears. It shits me about myself. I think that's why I shit it. It shits me about other people because I do it myself, and I, it's easier for me to be angry at somebody else than it is to be angry yeah. at Well, right? I mean, it, it can only shit you if you recognise it. Well, precisely. Yeah. Um, Yet I've also had to work really, really hard on letting a lot of it go because it was ruining my day. Yeah. And so while I'm really annoyed, and, and trust me, as, as someone who rides a bicycle, as someone who rides a motorbike, you are on the road and people just don't see you, all yeah. right? If I was shat and, you know, viscerally annoyed at everyone that cut me off or nearly killed me, I would, I'd, you know, have a bad day. You yeah. just got to go, ah, they didn't see me. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think because, you know, like I used to ride bike all the time. It's like a cloak of invisibility. As soon mm -hmm. as you're on it, you're like, okay, got to stay alert, stay. That's yeah. the thing that made me go, I'm, I'm going to go 100% sober at gigs. Not even one beer, not even one anything because I have to be almost – a minus, you know, like yeah. so super sober just in case you've had something because there's no fucking chance you're going to see me. Right, exactly. So I think that's the thing that shoots me. But to be to be clear, I, I, I try to let a lot of it go because yeah. holding on to uh, resentment, um, it was Carrie Fisher, I believe, was a tribute to this quote, um, resentment is like drinking poison and expecting someone else to die. Yeah. Um, the only person that gets fucked up with resentment is you. And if you carry that with you, it's you, you are choosing to carry resentment yeah. and, uh, and same with anger. And, and I, I have to be an acceptance of it and I'm fucked off at it because it's in me, it's in me and it's easier for me to be upset at someone else's actions than it is to address my own selfishness. Yeah. So. Yeah. This, but this is the first time where I was like, because I, you know, with everything, you only get annoyed with something because you recognize it. Like sometimes you'll say to someone, fuck, I cannot handle it when so-and-so does that thing and I know they're only doing it to get attention or they're only doing it like, and the other person seem oblivious to it and you go, how can other people not see it? And then you realize, oh, fuck, it's because it lives in me. I recognize it because I know the behavior because I do it. Mm -hmm. So, and and so far, there's I think there's only been one 
one podcast thus far where someone has said said something that annoys them that I couldn't, I'm like, oh, no, I don't get that. But everything else, I'm like, yeah, me too. Yeah, me too. <laughs> you mean I'm not a special snowflake? You mean I'm, you know, <laughs> No, so, just- so I know I'm fucking all over the show. Right? I'm yeah. one of those, well, you know those, those fluffy white balls with the seeds that you blow and it just goes everywhere? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's- that's me. That's me and my mental health right there. But it's in a tornado, so it really fucking goes everywhere. All right, what's the one thing about you that sits you to death that you wish you could change? Oh, I um, one thing that shits me to death about me that I wish I could change would probably be I, I, I can get very easily distracted and I can also get very easily incredibly focused. And the incredible focus part has given me the career I've got. Uh, the distraction part has caused a lot of issues in my life with people I'm trying to have either work or interpersonal relationships with. And yeah, that's a tricky one. That's all right. You stayed focus here for an hour. You're fucking nailing it, mate. Unless you were supposed to look after your kids. No, he's, <laughs> he's a daycare. Okay. He's a daycare today. Oh, yeah, you guys are open now. Oh, it's amazing. We did. Boy, it was hard, mate. Um, it was real hard without it because I was getting to go go off and do TV things, you know, because TV is one of these industries that they have the latitude to in, encompass the budgetary requirements of making sure people can stay safe so they can afford COVID monitors and nurses and bubbles and bubbles and yeah. bubbles, you know. To, so I was getting to go off and do do work and make, you know, fun TV like Mask Singer and Bachelorette and things like that. And Audrey's like, never ending laundry. <laughs> da, 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 da. This is an educated woman. This is a woman with a career and a skill set. And, you know, she's very, she's like, all I fucking do is cook and clean. And fair enough. Yeah. This is hardcore. It's, it's fucked up. Oh, she just texted. She's saying hi. Hi, Audrey. She's, uh, she's studying again. So she's upstairs studying. She's today. out of the bunker. Yeah, yeah. She's well. We've got a. Uh, we've, got, we've got an upstairs bunker. Nice. Um, What's she studying? Oh, she's studying horticulture. Oh, nice. Yeah, she's right into. She's all over it. I mean, it's something that she was always really good at. Yeah. Um, but she's she's mad for it. It's great. Oh, that's our, awesome. our, our garden just spews forth food that we eat. Yeah. Uh, it's it's great. You're growing your own food. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, I've got a I've got a flourishing veggie garden. Fuck yeah, you do. Yeah, I've got a massive, but. Um, yeah, now that I'm all going to All that to... volcanic soil over there, mate, you're all over it, mate. Yeah, lush. It's real lush. And we've been. And my neighbour, she's a massive greenie. She doesn't even own a car. Yes. So, you know, like she'll, she gave me rhubarb the other day. The neighbours on the back fence have given me lettuce and courgettes and they just start, you know, sort of start the plants and then when they're good and ready, they just pass them over. So... Just, just by my neighbours, I, I think I can survive in a fucking apocalypse. Well, that's the key. Uh, I, <laughs> I, was just, I always wanted to make a movie. Um, uh, I lived in America for a while in Venice Beach when I was over there. I lived in the back house of a, of a, a compound basically in the family uh, it was a mum and her two kids and I lived in the back house and they were really cool kids. I taught one of them how to ride a bike. Anyway, they had a, they had a housekeeper and um, let's call her uh, 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 Rosetta. That wasn't her real name, but let's call her that. She didn't speak any English, but um, she was from Guatemala and Rosetta could grow everything, look after every animal and create food out of she could completely if she wanted to self-sustain on the amount of land that we had and i always kind of thought it was hilarious that if the apocalypse came la would be fucked 
except for everyone that grew up knowing how to subsistence farm. And people would turn to someone like her who yeah. they otherwise ignore in society and they go, teach us how to grow our own food. The Ralphs is closed. Yeah. <laughs> She'd yeah. be like. It's amazing. Like I, because I'm moving soon. I'm moving in January. I, I'm going to get some chickens. Cause yeah, fuck yeah. Like my mom's got chickens and they just, you know, have eggs and, and I'm like, oh, I should do that and just have a massive veggie garden. And I've, I've already um, got a thousand litre water tank. Um, the- I've got to hook you up with my, my bro. He's right into the uh, kind of the closed system gardening where, you know, the, the compost gets eaten by the chooks. The chook food goes onto the onto the the garden beds. The garden beds make the food. The food you eat goes to the compost. Like he's got all yeah. that thing lined right up yeah. and it's Amazing. Well, that's what my mom does. She does all of that. It's and it's, and and he's right about it. He told me one day. He goes like, "Bro, food is free." Yeah. It's the effort that it takes to grow it, care for it, um, harvest it, and get it to you that costs money. Yeah. You know, we've got all these veggies out the front, and they're all you know some of them they've finished their so they're all going to seed now, and we're just collecting just hundreds and hundreds of seeds for plants that we'll wait for next year and we'll put them back in and bodja. You know, yeah. food's free. I mean, I we had a supermarket here that gave out these little packs of, you know, just like um, if you have enough, every time you go, you spend for every $20, they give you a little seed packet with carrots and lettuce and da, da, da. So for the last three years, that's been my veggie garden, just by the stuff that I got from the supermarket. And then right. I just put them in the soil and boom, we have carrots, we have lettuce, we have red cabbage, everything, you name it, I got it for free from the supermarket, See? just from buying shower gel. <laughs> that you then put on your kids and let run around in the backyard to keep them clean. Yeah. That's a pro top tip from Mother of the Year, Ursula Carlson. That is full circle, my friend. Hi, I'm going to stop this. Thank you for coming on the podcast. I appreciate it. That's enough already. Shut up. Oh, shush.